Get ready for your weekly dose of talent strategies and tactics from industry leaders to help you attract, select, and retain your top talent. You're listening to Inside Executive Search with Steve Yakish and Scott Peterson. Executive Search Podcast. My name is Steve Yakish, and this show is for business owners, board members, and executives exploring strategies and tactics to attract, select, and retain the very best. If you're not feeling 100% confident that you have a plan to recruit said very best, keep listening. This podcast will help you get there. That said, I'm once again excited to bring in Mr. Scott Peterson from Verseek Search. Hi, Scott. Good afternoon. Great to be here today. <laughs> well, hey, uh, last week we covered interview bias and we previewed that we were going to be coming into this podcast that we were going to be uh, talking about retention strategies and tactics. Yes. However, I know we had a, we're going to do a little U turn. A little U turn. So, based on some of the responses and feedback um, from our listeners, they were hoping we would dive into a little bit more detail about presenting an offer. You know, we sometimes take that for granted because it's kind of what we do and right. we do it all the time, but I can appreciate others wanting to learn about what's the better way to present an offer and the do's and don'ts, right? Yeah, and we've certainly seen the at the offer stage it go in multiple directions. Sometimes it goes great, sometimes it goes uh, in a direction that uh, we don't want to or the client doesn't want to. So we thought we'd give some insights and tactics around the offer process. Yeah, and I don't envy companies that are doing it on their own. You know, we as search professionals, we just have so many more tools that we can ask and close the candidates as that third party. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, we we have the fortunate position to be having confidential conversations with our candidates. So we kind of know where their head is. Um, where, where, what else are they looking at? Where are they at in terms of those opportunities? And so we're always, you know, talking to our candidates through the process, um, probably more so than than just a, a company would on their own. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And, and we'll, I'll maybe just kind of recap with we as a firm or another search firm out there. You know, they're closing the candidate. They're asking all the, you know, quote unquote tough questions. What if? You know, how about this? Well, what if they offered this versus that? You know, they, they flush and we flush all of that out so we can confidently go to our clients and say, you know, Bob is accepting the offer if it's at X to make Y with these, you know, perks or benefits, et cetera, and really help our clients, you know, get there so there isn't any issue about somebody accepting it. But when they're doing it on their own, that can be tough, right? right? And we're, you know, we're even talking the first conversation with a candidate about what their expectations are versus what we know our clients willing to do, generally speaking, in, in the compensation package. So if we, we we try to get alignment before we even get to that offer day, mm-hmm. um, and so um, that's just a little bit tougher to do uh, if you're doing it on your own. Yeah. So let's just assume some of the tactics prior to presenting the offer was done. So you, in the first or second conversation with candidates, you've said, hey, here's our compensation range. Here's, and they obviously know the scope of responsibility, who they're gonna report to, everything's feeling good, yep. all right? Yep. Of course. So 
that's the assumption. So my first question, who should be presenting the offer? Is it HR? Is it, you know, who, who's the right person in your opinion? Yeah. Uh, and we've seen it go both, both ways in terms of HR presents the offer or, or the hiring manager. My, my recommendation is the hiring manager should do it. So if it's and a why seat, is that? Um, you, you gain much more um, candidate loyalty. If I'm the hiring manager and I call you, Steve, and I say, Steve, I want you on my team. I thought we had a great interview. The, can the, uh, the, the interview panel, your evaluations came back, your assessment came back great. Um, and you're going to be working with me and for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's just much more impactful. Uh, and it actually makes you feel better about the opportunity and the company because they're going that extra step and having the hiring manager and or the person you report to um, uh, do that offer. Uh, I just, it just yeah. works better. Yeah, and I, I, to that point, I mean, if, if I'm the HR leader who is typically the one presenting offer by default, right? right. Or the talent, um, talent, talent, talent leader, yeah. yep. You know, it, I can see how that would be that much more you know, less impactful if I, as the HR leader, say, hey, Scott, guess what? Um, Taylor is really excited for you to join the team versus Taylor saying, Scott, man, I'm so happy to extend this offer and get you on my team. You're going to do great things, right? I mean, it's yeah. just that simple example, I think, will make sense to yeah, everybody, that's just right? Yeah, that's a, that's a phone call by the hiring manager to, to present the offer orally. Now, Internally, you can say the offer might be coming from our HR person from a logistic standpoint internally and confidentiality mm -hmm. of information. So HR might send that offer via email uh, in a Word doc. As a follow-up. As a right. follow-up. Sure. But, but that initial phone call to make the verbal offer, um, we just think it, it, we've seen it work much more effectively by having the hiring manager do it. Perfect. So segueing in, I'm now the hiring manager. I'm reaching out to you to extend that offer like you, you just gave us guidance. Walk us through that conversation, not necessarily in delivery of the actual numbers, but prior to that, yeah. what are some of the important keys as I should be talking about to... Yeah, it, and, and really this goes even before the offer, but continue to ask those questions like, do you have any hesitations about coming on board at this company to this position with um, the information that you have? So you're gauging their level of interest before that verbal offer might go out. If there's hesitation, if there's a question, you can jump on it right away and say, oh, you know, our, our strategy around um, international acquisitions is going to be this. And that might, might just be enough to push that person into accepting the offer when they didn't really know, um, you know, a couple key elements during the process. Sure. I mean, it might even just be little tiny things too. Like, yeah. Hey, if I, if it's snowing outside a typical Minnesota winter and are you okay if I show up at, you know, at noon and not fight the traffic or work from home that day? Yeah, little so, things, yeah, right? Little things that they sound, yeah. they sounds trivial or, or minor. Mm -hmm. Um, but they all kind of just matter, uh, in, in aggregate. Um, it might even be, do I get a parking spot up front? Right. I yeah. mean, there's just little things that, that matter in total um, in and of themselves probably don't move the needle one way or the other uh, in an offer, but uh, I like that idea of just getting it all on the table yep. uh, verbally versus having to go back and forth and negotiate after the fact. Yeah, and you know, it's a good point too. I mean, because at a certain point, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the candidate's shoes. You know, I'm interviewing with, you know, uh, my hopeful future company. 
until you're kind of selected as the person, you're not going to ask about that parking spot out front or, you know, certain little tiny things because you don't want to, because they are somewhat trivial, but in the same time, they're important. And if you are probably asking about those, you're probably not going to be their candidate. Exactly. (laughs) Early in the process, Early in the process, yeah, don't want to do that. So I, I get that, Scott. So that being said, we're con- covering all those little nuances, parking spots, et cetera, and we are now needing to talk about numbers. Hey, your base salary, annual cash bonus, the metrics that surround Everything it, LTIP, yeah. all that other stuff. Um, when do I enter in the conversation about are you going to accept a counter offer? What's your current company going to say? Right. How are you planning on resigning? Is that before I'm presenting the numbers? Am I presenting the numbers, getting excitement, and then talking? What do you recommend? Well, I think you, you talk about um, counter offer throughout the process, and that, that's a little bit easier when it's a firm that's that's representing your company, and the firm will do that continuously throughout <laughs> the process. But it's something that you want to. Um, you want to walk through with a with a with a candidate, especially if they've never gone through an offer and counter offer process. Um, there is um, there is a lot of statistics out there that that if you accept a counter offer at your current company because you told them you're resigning for another opportunity, a high high percentage of those employees leave from that counter offer company within a year. Yeah, I've heard, I've seen anywhere sixty upwards to. 80%, yeah. I think 80 might be a little high, but 60 is yeah. kind of scary, right? And why is that? Well, now the company knows that you weren't interested in staying other than for more money. Mm-hmm. Um, because really nothing changes in the job per se or the company. So what the only thing that they did was offer you more money to keep you. And so you want to have that conversation with a candidate saying, is there anything that they could do at your current company to keep you? No. Nope. Right. And I always throw a big what ifs. Yeah. You know, what if they came back with 30000 more on a base salary? Or what if they, you know, I know you've always been wanting equity. What if they came back and gave you a piece of the, you know, yeah. of equity? How do you react to that, right? And so you want to know, that, you know, that's the kind of things that you want to know, even, even well before the offer as well. But, but again, as a last, you know, last piece of the process, you ask that again because, you want to make sure that nothing changed from the previous times that you've asked it. Um, yeah, and it comes back to, you know, like we've talked about a few times during these podcasts, kind of those three areas to get alignment in. I mean, if I'm if I'm about to present an offer, I'm probably wrapping in and reminding them of our company culture and how they fit, how their, their skills and experience align really well with the job at hand. And as important, the vision I see not for this person I'm about to make an offer to, what their career path looks like, right? right? Get them thinking that right. way, and that's going to help them. So feel- any counteroffer they would get is just irrelevant because exactly. you've got really good alignment on those three areas. Um, then there's really nothing the company that they're leaving is going to be able to do other than offer more money, and that just that just delays the inevitable, from, from in my opinion, of that candidate leaving that company at, at another point in time. Perfect. So about employment agreements, you know, obviously at the executive level, um, they're more frequent. Yeah, pretty than, standard. Pretty yep. standard, right? Um, what's your guidance? Is Are you talking about what the framework of that employment agreement looks like yeah. prior to um, extending that offer? Or 
is it just assume you, you we know that there's going to be one and that's the little stuff will get taken care of after the fact? What, yeah. do, you, what do you think? And this, this depends on the size and sophistication of the company. Sometimes there'll be small organizations that are hiring a CEO that doesn't, that don't, they, they don't do employment agreements, right? Sure. But this candidate might be coming from a place where they have one. So now the new company needs to think about that, needs to understand um, that that's part of their package, part of their compensation, part of their deal mm-hmm. um, to have one of those. Um, so yeah, you want to you want to make sure that there's an understanding up front of are they going to need one? Again, if you're using if you're using an outside uh, service provider like like us or others, we already are having those conversations with candidates. We've already seen the probably their their current employment <laughs> agreements so that we can have alignment with the new one. Um, but yeah, those are they're they're pretty standard uh, in the industry now uh, at the executive level, and they they contain a lot of different things from severance package, um, change of control. So if the company gets sold, do their do their stock options accelerate, invest immediately? So there's just a lot of detail, and typically lawyers are involved in those. Whether it's a company's internal lawyer, legal team that's put it together, um, and then my recommendation is probably having uh, the the candidate. Um, get legal counsel as well because uh, in some of, in a lot of those agreements are very legal um, jargon <laughs> legal jargon which um, can uh, sometimes make your head spin a little bit in terms of what is all those what do those words mean or what does that paragraph really mean sure no that's good good guidance so do you pass on you know you mentioned earlier the logistics of physically sending the offer do you do you recommend the hiring manager also kind of outsource figuring out start date and building that onboarding plan, et cetera, or give the listeners yeah, I, I think thoughts you, there? I think the hiring manager can can ask, like, you know, hey, we'd love to have you here on September 1st. Um, we got a strategic planning meeting yeah. on the 5th. We'd love you, you to know, you just come. You yeah. just come to a negotiated start date. Um, sometimes an executive uh, has a... Uh, a 30-day notice or a two-month notice or a three-month notice. Built uh, into that employment built agreement. Built into their employment <laughs> agreement, yeah. right? So you have to understand, and again, those questions, um, you know, I keep going back to if you're using an outside firm, yeah. we would have known that and, and communicated that to our client that they have a 30-day notice or whatever the, the notice requirement is because they're a top executive. Yeah. Um, so understanding all that, again, um, certainly want to lock that down at this point, but also you should have understood it coming in of, hey, what is your current employment agreement look like? That can be part of that interview process and understanding what all they have to bring to the table there. Perfect. All right. Well, the last item, kind of the dark, dreary part of this conversation, (laughs) (laughs) what if they don't accept your offer? A, I got two questions. Bummer. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All the time and energy and then it doesn't happen, right? do you go back and ask why and off, you know, try to put an offer together that they will accept? And then my second part of the question, if that's just not the key and you got to start over, what's your, what do you, what can you give guidance to yeah. a company as takeaways? What can they learn from their current process? Yeah. So first of all, yes, you always ask why, because there may be an opportunity to enhance your offer and it may be in something that doesn't cost you much. Um, again, could be those little things, could be a car allowance, could be a multitude of things, but understanding of, of, of why. Mm-hmm. Now, that why could mean I have another offer and that opportunity is better for me, right? I would still ask the question, why is it better for you? Tell me what is 
you know, what about it is better? Mm. Is it compensation? Is it location? Is it size of company? Whatever yes. it might be, right? Yeah. Uh, long term, more longer term opportunities, um, growth potential, etc. Um, so, just because they say no, it doesn't mean it's over. Um, it might mean that we didn't quite get the offer right. Um, and so, uh, again, going ask why or have them counter back. Uh, what you know? Tell me, tell me what you know. What would you accept? Um, yeah. Is there anything I can do to change our offer that you would accept? Now, I, yeah. I don't encourage that going back and forth twenty times, yeah. uh, because then they're just kind of grasping at compensation, and that's not the kind of person you probably want in your company. You, you um, missed in that alignment somewhere else if, that, if you're going back. And that gets back to the second piece yeah. is really evaluating your process of how did we get all the way down to the altar. Mm-hmm. And the groom runs down the aisle and leaves <laughs> without saying "I do." Exactly <laughs> right. So um, evaluate yourselves a little bit. Look internally. Look in the mirror and say, "What did we miss in this process? What? When did we not ask the right questions at the right time, mm-hmm. or did we not ask the questions at all?" Yeah. So yeah, self evaluation is always something you want to do yeah. uh, when something like that happens. And I'd actually encourage it, even if it's a positive outcome. Look back and say, "What did we do right?" Yeah, then, that's a good and then, point. And then yeah. emulate that. Do that again, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, did, and again, a plug for us and other firms. I mean, we don't, we ensure if the client gets down on bended knee, the person says yes, not maybe, or let me think about right. it, right? And I think some companies, if they're doing it independent or on their own, they are better at it than others. But, yeah. I mean, that's a tricky thing, especially at the executive level. Yeah. Um, what we have found is that, that yeah. most companies internally if they do the process are uncomfortable asking those questions early in the process can waste a lot of time where yeah. us as executive recruiters are re- are expected to by our clients exactly so uh, think about that in your process as well don't be afraid to get that level of detail early on mm-hmm. so that you are so to speak dancing with the right partners all the way down absolutely well good well that's going to wrap up um kind of this plus one episode, uh, adding in, you know, kind of the offer and, and onboarding and acceptance type uh, conversation, which I enjoy. It was good. Um, and I'm glad our listeners kind of brought it to our attention. Um, so I'll give you the same preview for next week as I did last week. Um, we're going to be looking at a variety of different retention tactics and strategies moving forward. Now that you do have your brand new top executive um, or key role on board, um, how do you ensure high levels of retention for the right. long haul? So we'll dive in um, next week with uh, kind of the high level overview of what the following, what, four or five episodes will look like. And uh, excited to do that one. Your selection and attraction are and, in uh, the books. Yeah, I got the, the third leg of the stool, retention. Yeah. So Absolutely. Cool. Well, as always, uh, if you want to get a hold of Scott, feel free to le- uh, look him up on LinkedIn or Hop out to Verseek.com and uh, click on Executive Leadership. You'll be able to find him. And uh, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to us on the major podcast channels. And we will talk to everybody next week. Sounds great. Talk then. All right. See you, Scott.